Welcome to the 25th episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, still recording from home, we'll be discussing how you can level up as a newcomer in tabletop gaming. This episode of the Game 4 podcast is brought to you by TurboDork, radical paints to make your gray world colorful. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And we are part of Milkcan. Milkcan is the company that makes the app Game4. Game4 is for connecting tabletop gamers. It's available on in, uh, iOS and Android and also on the web. And it is designed to help you find uh, tabletop gamers in your local area. Currently, you probably can't really be playing with local gamers in your area. But um, we're kind of working on that. And we hope to be able to start playing with people again face-to-face real soon. Um, we've designed the app to help the tabletop gaming community and the podcast is about building community and building your, uh, enjoyment within tabletop gaming and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What have you been doing since the last episode, Matt? Oh, let's see. Uh, first I've been playing some, uh, family games, uh, so not necessarily maybe games I would pick first or, you know, highly recommend. Uh, but actually, it's been very enjoyable, uh, nonetheless. Uh, so playing some uh, Go Fish, which I was had to be kind of dragged into Family Game Night sure. for that one. Uh, but actually had a lot of fun with that. Uh, the kids and wife and I had a lot of fun playing that. And then uh, replayed my wife's favorite game, uh, Roomy Cube, a few times, uh, both with kids and then just by ourselves a couple times. So I'm not sure if yeah. I'm familiar with that. That's just like a, like a card game, right? Uh, Ruby Cube is uh, with like dice, or not dice, uh, do- like dominoes looking ones. And there's like four colors, but they're also it's got numbers on them. And you're basically uh, trying, it's it's kind of like Crazy Eights with dominoes. You're trying to collect like a series or a collection of like four 12s, but they all have to be different colors and stuff like hmm. that. Okay. All right. And you could play it, you know, one game off, or you could play it, you know, there's a scoring mechanism that you can, you know, play multiple games um, as well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What other so, kind of stuff you've been playing? Uh, so, been doing some more online DD. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, uh, we were talking just before this, I was talking about the, that uh, Roll 20 has started to become a, almost a, a necessity for some of this stuff. Uh, we had a large uh, NPC. Uh, battle encounter this last uh, session. I want to say there was like 25, maybe even 30 NPCs uh, with wow. leveling up and everything we had to do. And mm-hmm. wow, uh, yeah, I don't even want to know how I would have done that on the on the on the table. Um, like regular paper, you know, pen yeah, and paper. It, kinda, it, yeah, it, it took. I would say it took about a little over an hour, hour and a half to run um and they were doing really well i mean there was two fireballs that took out a lot of people so mm-hmm. they they played it even faster than probably uh you know it could have lasted um yeah i want to say it would have been like a four-hour affair on the on the table uh, trying to track uh players and area effects and saving throws and everything else that i was able to kind of do a, a lot faster that way so mm-hmm. uh kudos to roll 20 and, and i still wish the ux was a little bit more friendly um even going week to week i'm starting you know i forget some of the shortcuts uh but uh, overall it's been a good experience so uh, again yeah. it's free so we're still in the free version um i have been buying some uh, packs and stuff like that to get uh, more uh npc characters and stuff like that from time to time 
tokens and stuff almost yeah so like you know some monsters especially if it's kind of a cool monster uh you know or an odd monster um i i will go ahead and do like the five dollar monster packs and get you know anywhere from like 10 to like 30 different um uh sprites that we can use mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i've been i have been paying for it that way um so which is uh yeah. worked out really well um so yeah that's been going well and then uh Finally started after two years of planning in my head. Finally started building the uh, new bar that's going to be going in my game room. So, hoping to have that done by the time uh, I start having people over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those that are, don't know, we live in Wisconsin, and uh, a lot of people's home basements have a bar in them. That's not that's yeah, not that's, weird for this right. area of the country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've yeah. Got, yeah. I've had, a, I got a kegerator who I think that was a Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been, you know, and now this is just kind of expanding on that a little bit. Well, it's going to be an eight foot long bar, but so sure. a, a lot of bit, I guess, but yeah. 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 No, it's a, it's a, like I, it, it was always just a normal thing to me to go over to someone's basement. Like we don't have one here in our basement, but a lot of people do. And then, you know, and then you talk to people from outside of uh, Wisconsin, and they're like, "You have a bar in your basement? That's weird." And you're like, "Oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of Wisconsin." <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's not like a legal bar. It's not like a you know, you're not you're not selling stuff down there, but it's for parties and hanging right. out, and right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, yeah, when you can't go outside for six months of the year, you know. Yeah, helps. exactly. With all the snow and ice, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good thing you know it's warm out when you go outside all the time with everybody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's super good. Yeah. Um, How about you, Adam? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of my uh, miniature painting and hobby and stuff like that. I just finished two small uh, war bands and a kind of a special surprise miniature, uh, which I actually talked about in the last episode, uh, for an upcoming solo battle report that I'll be filming soon for my YouTube channel. So normally battle reports, you're playing against another person, and then you have battles and whatnot and all that stuff, and people watch it. Um, some people live stream it. I usually record it and then, you know, edit it afterwards. So it's quicker. Um, but the, and I'm trying to do one about once a month, kind of since about roughly the beginning of the year, right. but it looks like the next one is probably going to have to be a solo battle report. So, um, because you know, just still with social distancing. Um, so I'm going to be using a game. I think I talked about it a little bit in the last episode called uh, planet 28. Um, the person who wrote Planet 28 has just recently also released now uh, Solo Rules. So that's really oh, nice. nice. It's kind of, a, kind of a good time to do it. And also released um, in the same pack. It's also uh, like kind of like a longer campaign, more, uh, you know, in-depth campaign rules as well for the game. Because it's a, it's a relatively simpler um, kind of miniatures rule set. But it's still, it's kind of elegant. It's nice that way. It's not too... I, as I get older, I'm less and less interested in the really super, for lack of a better term, crunchy rule sets. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like some of the slightly simpler uh, kind of stuff. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's that'll be coming soon, but I've just finished those up. Actually, last night I did the... Um, the I sprayed the matte varnish on them to oh, kind of okay. protect the paint job. I really does, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, one last model does need a little bit of a gloss because they need a little gloss coat on some like lenses. 
you know, like you spray the whole thing kind of be matte, but then yeah. you want like maybe like a lens on some sort of scope or something like that or whatever oh, to be so what more you, glossy. How do you do that? I just use a, a Games Workshop has a has something called, I think it's called Art Coat, which is a gloss uh, varnish ah. that I just put on with a brush okay. just in certain spots. I've done that too before with um, like if you've got a model that's supposed to have like, like there are some kind of evil demon creatures that are called Nurgle uh, in in both Warhammer 40k and also Warhammer Age of Sigmar. They're mm-hmm. kind of an evil chaos god and they're all about like decay and disease. Um, sometimes those models have got like an open wound and stuff like that. And so I frequently go through after I've done the matte varnish because I prefer the matte varnish. I go back and then paint on a little bit of gloss in like the open wound areas because basically it makes it look wet. So sure. um, yeah, that's that's kind of a little extra feature that I like to put in. But that's basically, otherwise they're they're pretty much done. So that's cool. Um, nice. And then I've also been building and priming terrain for uh, another game called Age of Sigmar Warcry, which is sort of a smaller skirmish game based out of the world of Age of Sigmar, which is Warhammer's kind of fantasy uh, arm. Right. And it is... Um, you know, so uh, Warcry came out last summer, and it's uh, it was a box set that you bought that had uh, two small warbands in it. It had um, terrain and the board and the dice and all that stuff. And so I've been sitting on it for a while, and I'm starting to get a little bit more interested in it. I want to give it a try. So I built probably 60 to 70% of the terrain, maybe 60 and then primed it this last weekend outside with the rattle can because it was gorgeous. It was like 70 degrees, you know, and not humid. Um, but I still had some other pieces that need to be built. So I'm going to be finishing those last pieces up and then I'll prime them up most likely. And then that'll help me to get, um, that stuff ready for paint and, um, and go from there. And then, um, yeah, lastly, I'm just, I'm slowly, slowly, slowly again trying to jumpstart the basement cleaning project. Uh, again, it's it's stalled pretty badly. I'm not. Um, I'm I'm a terrible basement cleaner, but um, <laughs> I do want to. Like I said, I kind of I sort of mentioned this earlier before the show. I, I do want to. Um, I just bought a new microphone uh, that I want to use. That is, it's not just a simple USB plug-in. It's kind of got a, a, some stuff going on. And so it, I just, I really need to get my computer. Like right now I'm in the dining room. When I do my live streaming on every other Sunday uh, morning, I am doing it from the dining room. And I really need to move um, my computer stuff off of the dining room table after several years and move it down into the basement um, and do that. So to do that, I need to do some cleaning so I can at least... I don't have to clean the entire basement before I move down there, but I do need right, to at right. least clean a good portion of it or at least enough. So <laughs> that's kind of the thing. I, I don't know. It's like right now because of the, you know, the way things are, uh, I've been really more interested in building and painting and not so much cleaning. I know there's, I, I hear from people all over that are like, oh, I mean, I've, my house has never been cleaner during this, all this lockdown. And I'm just like, uh, that's that's not the thing I want to do when given tons and tons of extra time. I got lots of other things yeah. I could do. You know what I mean? I, I just like, you know, people are like, I oh, I'm doing that. all this yard work. And I'm like, well, if you like yard work, great. But if you don't, isn't, I mean, not really, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I like to, I have lots of things that I like to do, so I'm never bored. You know what I mean? 
Right. That's, that's the thing is that I think I'm astounded when people are like, oh, I'm just so bored. And I'm like, don't don't you have things to, that you like to do that aren't watching television or, or Netflix or whatever? Oh, speaking yeah, of I which, don't, oh, okay. we just we just finished. Yeah, we just finished a, a series last night. Yeah. OK. From net from Netflix called um, October Faction. OK. And uh, if you like like well written, uh, well acted TV shows, you should not watch this because it is not great. <laughs> it's just really like it's just That's not where I thought great. you were going with that. Yeah. No, no. It's just like I like the concept. I mean, it's kind of like there's like vampires and werewolves and this and that. And right, secret, right. You know, but it's just. Ugh. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I started watching it and I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds like it's up my alley. And like halfway through the first episode, like uh Clutch just like yeah i'm just not into this and i'm like yeah it, it was it's the fine. lady from bones right or not bones. yeah it yeah, was, bones. she was yeah she was um not not the main character from bones she the was boss. one of the like yeah. the, like the boss doctor yeah. and so she was so she was in it and some and nobody else that i really recognized much but she was kind of the like the but it, i don't know i mean there was parts yeah. of it that i liked but it, i mean we were trying to watch it cuz you know we sometimes try to watch stuff together here and there, but ugh, it was just not good. Like the first couple of episodes, I'm like, all right, this isn't so bad. And then, yeah, not so good. So, oh, okay. yeah. Um, and evidently, they've uh, decided not to renew it. So there won't be oh. a second season. So just, you know, FYI. We got the heck going for you. Yeah, which is nice, which is nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we've got a question from the audience. If, nice. if you've got some questions, folks, please... Uh, Put them in the comments below on YouTube if you're watching slash listening to this on YouTube or feel free to email us at podcast at IamGame4.com. We'll mention that address again at the end of the show. Um, it, Yeah, so, but let, you let us know if you got some questions about things. Um, right. You know, we're always looking to be able to answer some questions. Yeah, so this um, one's from, yeah. from Brian. Uh, Brian says... Uh, what advice would you give in regards to someone coming out of their shell and being able to talk to others about the hobby? So very good question, Brian. Um, yeah. I think we, we talked about this a little bit before the show, um, very briefly kind of over Slack about, you know, how this, you know, might be even more crit critical right now that you can't necessarily hang out with your tabletop friends and kind of get that release. Now you might be, talking with your family members or whatever and trying to still want to talk about your hobby. So Yeah. I mean, I think personally a big portion of it, honestly, is to know your hobby. Or Sorry, know your audience. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, your audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, you know, there's a joke that goes around amongst tabletop gamers who are, uh, there used to be a years ago, there was a company at Gen Con that used to sell a shirt that said, don't tell me about your character. And, and it was, it, it, you know, because there are people who will start to tell you about their character because they really enjoy playing their D and D character or their, mm -hmm. you know, Pathfinder character or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But a lot of that is very possibly not interesting to you as the person, you know, working at the grocery store or the person who's <laughs> changing their oil or whatever. And, you know, you, you kind of have even, to know your yeah. audience. Even as a D and D player, I sometimes really don't care about your player. Like, Unless, you know, if we're not playing together, I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a little brief thing. But yeah, when you start telling me about their fifth grade aunt and how that great aunt went on a side quest one time and, you know, turned in five yeah. eggs for a chicken. I yeah. Don't care. I yeah. Really that, don't care. that 
that you know it I mean, when you notice that you're that you're the person you're talking to their eyes are glazing over and they're like scanning for exits you have to kind of like understand that and go all right i think i've maybe told enough about this story i mean it's it's right. just a situation um but that's not necessarily a great answer you know no, i mean it's no yeah well it, and there's a great red dwarf uh episode uh, so the main one of the main uh characters on the show mm-hmm. you know is kind of known for being annoying and you know but he's a big risk guy and one of the episodes he's like, like risk the the, the board the game? game yeah he's oh, just sure okay going on and on about you know how this one game was just this epic game and he's like and then i rolled four twos and he rolled three sixes and that you know and they're like mm-hmm. okay whatever and he's like oh no no here okay i haven't gotten to the really interesting part and they're like oh what's the really interesting part he goes then i rolled two threes and like, like the really right, interesting yeah. part is the same exact thing as the last hour you've been going on. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, but for your audience, you know, try to relate it to them, you know, like if they're into, you know, like if their hobby is, I don't know, maybe they're into painting. So you could talk about, you know, how, you know, if you're doing, if you paint miniatures, you could talk about that, like find ways to sure. kind of relate what you're doing and what you like about the hobby um with you know stuff that they're possibly interested in it's more about looking for a nibble really right. it's more about like you know if you let's say you're at work this is kind of a, a standard thing if you're you know if you're if mm-hmm. you, let's say you're you're not working from home in the future at some point and you're sitting there and person asked you what you did this weekend or whatever and you mentioned that you um were playing um some role-playing games you know uh or something like that you played a role-playing game on saturday afternoon and they're like well what do you mean you could say something like, you know, the first thing I think to do is to try to relate it to something that they probably understand. If you say, oh, well, you know, we were playing like Pathfinder and this and that, and, you know, that that probably not going to understand that. But if you say, well, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, even if you weren't playing Dungeons and Dragons, you right. say like, you know, oh, it's, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. And then they may, they, they know the name, I'm sure, but they right. may not necessarily know what that means. And you say, well, you know, we were playing with some friends and stuff. And if they go, oh, and that's and like change the subject. That's now the time to end. They're not necessarily your your target audience, and that's fine. But if they start to ask a few more questions, you can certainly then kind of move forward and and and, and keep kind of because maybe this is something that's very interesting to them. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that they're that they're surprised by or confused or curious, by or curious or curious. Or but it may not necessarily come to any kind of fruition. I worked at a place one time and. Uh, person asked me something about I think I was I was going I was taking a couple of vacation days to go to a convention and he's like well, what kind of convention and I told him gaming and he was like oh you mean like video gaming I'm like no and then I explained to him you know just very broad terms like what miniature gaming is and he was like I don't I don't understand what you're talking about so I showed him a quick picture or two I think either on my phone or on Google or something like that and I'm like and you use dice and it's you know this and that and these little people and stuff like that and he was like and then his first question was like, did you invent this? I'm like, no, no, I mean, this is, this has been going on for quite some time. I'm not the only, you know, this is a thing. And, and he was just like, he was surprised because he'd never heard of anything like it before, I guess. Huh. And, uh, but he was not like, oh, I want to get into this. He was just right. like, huh. And then I could tell at which point he was like, all right, I'm done. You know, I don't need to know any more right. about this. And that's, I think really the important thing. Now let's say, you know, but, it, it but germinated in a different way. Yeah. Cause yeah, so, I mean, he could have come back three weeks later and been like, "So, how do you paint those little guys?" And then you start to understand that maybe you're right. going in the right direction. But 
I, I, one of my uh, good friends I game with, uh, when I first started working with him, um, I had been out of the hobby for 15 years, 10 years, something like mm-hmm. that. And he mentioned something about, oh, he can't, re- I think we were going to do something or there was a group outing. He's like, oh, I can't do that. That's my uh, board game night. And at that time I was still in the, you know, well, I played Rick's, uh, you know, uh, Risk and Axis and Allies and stuff like that. But mostly when yeah. I heard just the term board game, I assumed Monopoly, sorry, that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, this was like your friends, you play Monopoly. He's like, no, no, we play more Euro stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but you know, tell me about it. So he started telling me, and then I'm like, huh, okay, that does sound kind of interesting. And that's when he showed me uh, that Will Wheaton's tabletop, I think, had just started airing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, oh, it's like that. I'm like, I did not know about this. I started watching that. And, you know, a couple months later, I ended up going, hanging out with that board game group. And then after getting back, you know, getting into board games, that's what kind of got me into the, back into the rest of the tabletop you know, hobby. But you, you never know. So don't think that nobody's going to be interested. Just kind of don't over, over communicate if they're not uh, kind of giving you the feedback. Yeah. And, and the real, I mean, this is more of a life hack than anything. Um, you know, cause Brian is asking, you know, if someone wants to come out of their shell, being able to talk to other people about the hobby, uh, understand that people don't think about other people nearly as much as you might think they do. You know, like I, I, people, you know, you, you're at the store, let's say, and the person's like, uh, you know, they're like, okay, well, enjoy your, your groceries or whatever. And then you're like, okay, you too. And then you're like, ah, oh, well, they're not buying groceries. They're checking out groceries, you know, or whatever, you know, right, and then you feel like yeah. a doofus because you misspoke. And if you focus on that and think about it and, you know, get anxiety from it and whatever, I mean, that, that's a, that people, that happens to people, but it's partially because people don't understand that like that cashier literally did not think about it again after like five seconds later, you know, 10 yeah, seconds they later. they thought about I mean, it all. It was right, exactly. the 10th person to do it that day. Exactly. People people focus on themselves a lot and how it affects them, but when other people's lives, it's not that people don't care when, you know, and you can discuss that back and forth amongst yourselves, but in general, when you think that, well, what are they going to think of me? The answer is they're probably barely going to, you know? So if someone right. at work asks you what you did this weekend and you're afraid they're going to think you're a nerd or you're, a, you know, a weirdo because you like to play board games, you know, or, um, or paint miniatures or whatever. I mean, you know, just, just let them know what you do. And if, if that mean they probably really won't focus on it. And, and honestly, you know, if you look at like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, um, what's his name? The guy, uh, Joe Mangliano. Oh, yeah. yeah the, yes. I can't think I, of his name. I butcher his name, name every time I try. Yep. Right, but he was like an actor in Magic Mike. You know, he was like all you know, dancing around and stuff like that. He's huge yeah. in D and D. Stephen Colbert is big in D and D. Right. It just came out recently that uh, the guy who plays Superman, Henry Cavill, has just started mm, painting yep. uh, Warhammer forty K miniatures because he's on right. lockdown and he's always been a, a video gamer. And now that he's got the time, he's decided to start painting miniatures. So I mean, it's it's a pretty good time, honestly, here in. 2020 not for everything but it's a pretty good time these days to be what used to be considered a nerd so if right. you know and and, 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 and a lot of I was saying before about being hobbies. bored 
You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. If you don't have a hobby, then what are you going to do? You know? Right. So, yeah. Because there's people I, that, I mean, that taught, that make their own, you know, flies for fishing and sure. uh, ones that are, you know, into archery and, you know, there's ceramics, there's a thousand different hobbies that they, that people might be self-conscious about that you wouldn't give it, you know, any second thought to, but so, so you know, be, be okay that, you know, own it, that you, you'd like the hobby and, you know, I mean, people, people think, you know, like, oh, well, games are for kids. Well, what about sports? I mean, I mean, really the whole concept of like, you know, grown, grown men and women running around chasing a ball and, you know, like that's, that's, well, that's about, something that's, that's super grown, important, but grown men and women that are paying money to dress up and then go and look at those people playing that same kid game, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the people, face, you know, the, the, talk about cosplayers but like right. yeah you see those people in the stands at the football game and they're dressed like a bear or a, right. a, a frozen tundra or whatever you know I, I, mean, I have yet i've yet to see the convention like three guys run by me with their chest painted with or, the word orcs belted across it uh, right well it'd be uh, the big question would be whether it would be with the c or with a k really i suppose that's probably why there's like that yeah <laughs> they, that's why it hasn't they're still fighting about it now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, the concept of, you know, as far as like, you know, what about if someone wants to come out of their shell? It's not easy for everyone. Um, but I think it's easier when people start to realize that, you know, not, not everyone is going to judge you. And also everyone's got their own kind of, well, many people have their own kind of weird hobbies. Some people don't. And those are the people that are kind of frankly tearing their hair out right now because they can't, uh, you know, that they're, they're bored and they can't do what they normally do, which yeah. is not a hobby, I guess. And yeah, so, I yeah, you, I mean, it's, yeah, it's I important, the, I think, to do that. I just saw the, uh, at one of Adam Savage's videos, he was talking about cabin fever and uh, mm -hmm. sculpting with uh, like a coat hanger, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's probably somebody out there that, that they do that all the time and are really, really good at it. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's new hobbies being invented or, you know, done all the time. So I mean, um, admittedly, like the sculpting that gets done for miniatures games in general nowadays, it's a lot of, um, uh, you know, computer. It's done by computers and stuff, three D. But um, back in the day, you would sculpt with this epoxy putty, and then you know, you, it was like two parts. It was blue and then yellow, and you squish it together to make it green, and then eventually it would harden and all that kind of stuff. But you would sculpt it over a bent up um like a, a paper clip so uh, you'd make something called an armature which would basically be like the skeleton and then so you would pose it and all that kind of stuff you know and then and then you would sculpt the other stuff around it so if you're using uh, a, a like a, a coat hanger as the like the basis to the sculpture that's what holds it up makes it rigid makes it easier to sculpt and stuff like that. i mean so yeah there's people out there who are doing all kinds of creative things um there are people out there who are doing social things in many situations, tabletop gaming is both creative and social. Um, whether it's creative, you're working with your hands, or whether it's creative making up stories, or whether it's creative making up new games or modifying house rules and stuff like that. So I, I don't I don't think it's anything to be... I mean, I can say this as a person who's been a lifelong gamer, but uh, and I don't seem to have any kind of fear of public speaking, but generally... Um, if you look at it from the aspect is that everybody's got some sort of hobby that they enjoy. Um, gaming is getting more and more mainstream tabletop gaming. And also generally people don't really think that much about other people too much, you know, after the first initial 
reaction. It's not something to worry about, hopefully, you know, at least. And I would definitely try to give it a try to talk to some folks. Again, if they're not interested, if it doesn't come up, you know, if, it, if, we're, if you're just sitting there in a meeting talking about something and if you just start going on about, you know, Settlers of Catan, that's maybe not necessarily the right place or time. But, you know, if people ask you like what you did this weekend or that kind of thing or, hey, you know, what, you know that kind of stuff, let them know. And if you kind of set the hook and they seem a little bit interested, give them a little bit more. Don't go crazy. Right. Um, and, and that's, then, how, that's you know, how you get newcomers it into it. I know that at the exactly uh, at the computer convention that I go to, the, the coding convention last <laughs> August, we got one guy to play D&D with us because we happened to be talking about it near him. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to try that. And we're like, come sit down, you know? And Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes people are in, you know, just as much in the show as you are, and they're looking for someone to kind of give them the excuse to talk about it, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be a situation where they just don't know anybody else. They've always been kind of interested, but they don't know anybody else. And now if you let them know that you, you're part of that world, then maybe they can at the very least start asking you questions and then maybe they're going to get interested. And so, you know, I don't, I w- it's not a thing I would hide particularly. Mm. It's not a thing I would necessarily, you know, just like if you were super into football and if you just immediately brought up football in every situation, no matter what it was, people would be like, ugh the football guy. And so, you know, that's, that's just a thing that, you, you know, just knowing your audience a little bit and understanding that that's maybe not the right place or time. And that's right. it's just and, kind of the part of it, but yeah. And everybody knows that fantasy football is D and D for jocks. Every, everyone knows that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we want to thank uh, Brian for, uh, for sending in that commercial or Thanks, commercial, Brian. sending in that question. And um, oh. we will reach out to Brian and try to send Brian a official limited edition uh, Game 4 podcast t-shirt so that uh, they can uh, wear it with pride, uh, potentially, and maybe people ask them about their t-shirt and then they can talk about the podcast. And then and there you go. Um, so yeah, we'll be reaching out to Brian. And uh, thanks again for sending in that question. Have you been looking for a way to make your miniatures stand out in the tabletop? Turbo Dork is a radical line of metallic and turbo shift paints that will make your gray world colorful. Turbo shift paints change colors as you move your models around and are great for spell effects, visors, weapons, and much more. Or let's say you wanted to make your minis truly metal but colorful. Check out their metallic paints with colors like People Eater Purple, Spicy Meatball Red, and All That Glitters Gold. I'm working myself on some... There's some models I'm going to be adding to my Warcry game that I'm doing that terrain for that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And they're called the Corvus Cabal. And the Corvus Cabal is, uh, they are, um, they, they have like crow feathers and stuff like that. And I've been trying okay. to find, I, I want to use one of the, potentially one of the uh, Turbo Dork paints to get that sort of look. You know, like when you look at a blackbird and you catch oh, him just yeah, in the yeah, sun yeah, yeah. and you can kind yeah. of see that kind of greenish purplish mm-hmm. kind of glitter. Yeah. I want to do that. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to find the right one right now. There's a color called dark net that they make okay. that I'm, I'm thinking might be close, but I want to yep. mess with that and, uh, and go for yeah, that. That'd be, that'd be a cool effect. Yeah. yeah I think no, just, no just on the feathers. Now, yeah. 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 Definitely. If you need to add some color to your tabletop life, TurboDork has you covered. Check with your local retailer or hit the TurboDork website at www.turbodork.com. And thank you to TurboDork for sponsoring the Game 4 podcast. Thanks. Absolutely. All right. Um, so the, let's see here, the competitive, so basically we were talking about the, you know, 
today's subject is about how to kind of level up as a newcomer. Um, yeah. We've talked about getting started, and now you want to get past getting started and get right. into like the next phase, maybe. Right. Uh, you you want to be the you, established you your, gamer. To some degree, you've gotten your feet wet. Maybe you've even, you know, found some of your favorite games and you're, you know, you've maybe found your genre and things like that. And then the question becomes like, well, what's kind of the next step? What's the next thing to kind of try to mm-hmm. like, you know, move towards, hang your hat on? You know, we did a video or a video. We well, we did a, a podcast a, a while back. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's both. We did a podcast a while back about, um, like how to kind of stretch your legs, how to like, you know, grow as a, as a gamer, you know, like, well, if you're into this, well, maybe you might be into right. another, right. you know, like maybe, maybe you're interested in RPGs and how do you get into that? Even though you're already a board gamer or maybe you're into this and how do you get into that? And, you know, kind of talked a little bit about like gateway games and stuff like that. Yep. This is more, I still want to be a board gamer, but I want to be a, I don't want to say necessarily a better board gamer, maybe a more, well-rounded board gamer you could or do this just, also for rpgs yeah. or all kinds of different stuff yeah like where do you go after you've gotten through the gateway games you've started finding some of your games and and now you're like okay i like this this is my hobby where do i go now yeah keep exactly into that and there's and that's one of the things that's great about um gaming in general and not just even tabletop gaming but you also see this in 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 video games as well there's um there's definitely places like it's not just like play as usual, you know, you just, you don't just buy a game, whether again, it's a video game or a, or a tabletop game and then just go, okay, well, it's just, I got to just follow the rules and I just have to pay attention to just what it does. And that's all it is. There's, you know, there's right. a lot of other things you can do, which has been uh, something that's that, that you and I have talked about in the past and, and that's been super helpful. So, um, like one thing you can do as you play a game, especially if you find that you seem to be, and, it, and this is not even necessarily that you have to be uh, winning more frequently amongst your friends. You might not be winning, but you just want to get better. You might want to look into the competitive scene. Um, right. And there's competitive scenes in many different types of tabletop gaming, not just the one that kind of everybody knows which is generally like magic the gathering that kind of thing you know i mean Mm -hmm. uh, if you've ever been into a game store on a friday night you've probably seen friday night magic there'd be a lot of magic players in the store and they are generally playing almost like a small little mini tournament if you're not a player like i'm not a player these days i haven't played magic in years and years and years um but you know it is still a very it's a competitive style game and usually most magic the gathering or, you know, Friday night magic things are like, we're going to play and maybe I win some free packs, you know? So there's a, there's a definite competition. It's not just like, let's, let's play to have fun. There's an actual like right. mini tournament sort of feel to it pretty much every week. Um, and a lot yeah. of shops have got multiple different, like maybe on, maybe not on Friday night, but maybe on Tuesday night they play, um, uh, you know, like a uh, commander, you know, or, uh, or all kinds of different types of, you know, t- other types of, um, you know, collectible card games right. in a tournament do, sort of uh, format. Do an Escalation League uh, or something so you don't have to go right to a giant tournament. Like if you're getting the miniatures, you know, you can go from that gateway and then start building up your army, but still get to kind of play as you go and kind of learn yeah. and adjust as you're going. And an Escalation League for miniatures is, and I just did a video about this on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's basically like most um, miniature games we use a point 
system, meaning that you and I are going to get together and we're going to play such and such game and we're both going to have a 500 point army or we're going to have a thousand point army. And every game uses different point costs and stuff like that. So they're not, it's not like a thousand points of Warhammer 40k is the same as a thousand points of Malifaux from weird games. It's not, it doesn't scale that way. Right. But two armies that are the same amount of points from the same game should in theory be roughly the same, uh, you know, in, in power, they should be equally matched. So, um, what you do see some stores do, and it's a smart thing is they do these things called escalation leagues, where instead of saying, Hey, uh, build yourself a 2000 point army and then come back to the shop and, and play instead, it's more of a situation of like, start with a 500 point army and then everybody gets together and plays their 500 point armies against each other. And then uh, like a month or so later, then they, they've got like a 750 and then next they come back and then it's like a thousand and, you know, that kind of stuff. And the idea is that you're slowly growing your, you know, size. So there's right. those types of things, which are not right. usually even necessarily tournaments. They're more along the lines of leagues. You know what I mean? Right. So you get to kind of play, adjust. You also get uh, kind of like mini uh, scheduling so that you yeah. have, you know, deadlines, you know, more you, know, you can kind of hit versus going, oh, in six months, I, I want to play this next convention, but I need to go from no army to a giant army. So, Right. And it's not just um, collectible card games and wargaming that have tournaments. I mean, there are board game tournaments out there. They're oh, playing, yes. I mean, like Settlers of Catan is huge. Um, uh, Chicken to Ride, there's, I know, tournaments for that. Um, I know in my, in our local area, there are a lot of players of, um, Mayfair games. And I don't know if Mayfair is technically in business anymore. I think they got bought by somebody else, maybe Asmodee, but they free. Yeah. Well, but for years they've made a, a series of games, which are free, frequently known as uh, crayon rails, uh, games like empire builder, um, games like Euro rails. And it's basically like, you know, each person's got is like a, a, tra- a train company and you have to get goods from point A to point B and you have to use this crayon and you draw on the board and the board is like laminated or whatever. And so um, you are building your route as you're like taking, you know, stuff on your train. You're taking oranges from Florida, taking them up to Detroit where they don't have oranges and that stuff, you know, that kind of jazz. And there was a at that convention that we've gone to in the past, the um, Fire and Ice in Manitowoc, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, like there was a, it was it was amazing because I, I didn't really know much about it, but I would talk to like one of the guys who ran the, the the convention, and he's like, I see a bunch of these people sitting around this table, and there's I don't know five of them maybe, and he's he basically is like that entire table up there. He's like every one of them has been a world champion in 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 the, the tournament at Gen Con uh, at some point, and they all kind of live in like the middle of Wisconsin. Nice. So they've just kind of gone back and forth and traded. This year, you know, Sam is the champion, and next year, you know, someone else is the champion or whatever. Right. And so, um, yeah. So it was really super interesting. Uh, so yeah, you may not know about it, but there are tournaments out there for all kinds of different games. Um, for in board gaming as well, just, you know, and then there's even, I mean, there's competition, there's tournaments for, um, role-playing, isn't there? Uh, I think there has been, I've never really understood how that works exactly. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I, you're, you're much more familiar with, um, Adventurers League, which is kind of a different thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not so much, but, uh. Yeah, I, I would. But it's love almost to have, like a league instead of a tournament, 
Right. right? That one's more of a league, yeah. So you can yeah. go, join that. And then the nice thing with that is that it's universal across all game shops. So especially like if you travel a lot or you don't really have a home uh, game store, uh, it's nice because there's basically rules on how the GMs run it. So you don't get, you know, a level one character with, you know, over loot and stuff like that. Like, you know, on a, if you're playing like a normal, you know, game with your friends and you guys are meeting regularly, if the GM unbalances the game by doing something that kind of keeps everyone still, they're still pretty much on equal footing and they can adjust the challenge and everything else. Um, that's a lot harder if like somebody went and got like an invisibility cloak at level one and you know uh plus 30 armor or some weird thing you know and then they show up to play and they're just this uber character and then nobody else really gets to play it kind of keeps all that you know in check right yeah i can see that so it it, but it, it i mean Moving into something, if you're into RPGs, moving into something like Adventurers League, if you're into specifically Dungeons and Dragons, is really kind of a good idea if you're looking to kind of spread your wings a bit as far as that's concerned uh, and level up because you can be playing games a little bit more regularly. Um, mm -hmm. There's kind of a, I mean, is it is there a ranking thing in Adventurers League or how does that? Not really, no. You, yeah. you just kind of level up and then there's Adventures for different levels. But uh, if you so, go to a convention, you could bring your character along. Yeah, that's the whole then, point. And then you yeah, join. Yeah, so it's yeah. like a persistent sort of a thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, that's... So it kind of makes it so you, it's almost like everybody's in the same world type thing. So, Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Um, another possibility is, you know, things if you want to kind of like take yourself to the next level is to, uh, you know, kind of, host games if you've been going to somebody else's place um and you you know you become um the host in that situation that can kind of help um also yeah, like, teaching games to other people right. that's a big deal because you know you were taught and now if you're teaching somebody else not only are you just helping to make more newcomers but you're also when you teach a thing you learn more about it than say, just, yeah nothing yeah nothing will have you figure out a game better than having to teach to others uh, you learn so many more rules that you probably didn't think about uh, per your play style or, you know, maybe the group you normally play with. Teaching others mm -hmm. how to play a game is is definitely at the next level for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they also, uh, I mean, because what happens is that the player that you're teaching very, will very possibly ask questions that you've not thought of before. And then you're like, right. oh, that is interesting. Like, what does happen if that happens? I have mm -hmm. to go look it up. And so, yeah, it, it does help you also to kind of, learn different strategies different ideas even sometimes just the proper or 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 maybe even usual like if you've been doing like and this happens a bunch of miniature games sometimes you and your friends have been playing for quite some time and you've just all read the rule wrong and so you've been doing it slightly yeah, wrong that happens and then somebody lot. else comes along and is just like well it says here this and you're like oh yeah that's an and not an or and then nice. all of a sudden it just very much changes how how the rules are done and, and that yeah. can help a ton so yeah. i think any tabletop gamer has run into that i know that like tom vassal and on dice tower was famous mm -hmm. for apparently he played this game for i want to say it was like 20 years or something like that and then found out that he had been playing it wrong basically this entire time because of yeah. a rule he didn't understand so and and that's one of the differences between you know like tabletop games and video games uh the video game generally doesn't allow you to play something wrong because it's taking care of the rules the upside though is then you also get to 
sort of um you can kind of house rule like maybe the game works a certain way and you just sort of don't like right. it so you decide to sort of tweak things you know yeah, we're gonna we've had that where it's like everybody just kind of goes yeah this is not really a good part of the game and let's just ignore this and everyone's like yeah let's ignore that rule oh yeah no absolutely i, I think th- i mean sometimes you ignore a rule sometimes you change how it works mm-hmm. um you know it, it kind of uh it gets into uh it kind of gets into designing to some degree. A lot of people, as they're playing, they really start to um, get interested in becoming a game designer. You know, you play some games and you're like, I really like this game except for this one part. Or I like this game, but I wish it was like this. Or I have this idea in my head, and now that I've played a certain number of games, uh, certain different types of different styles... Uh, now I can kind of take a look at it and go, I think it'd be better if this was the case or it'd make me happier if like this was like this. And I think that there's some big benefit to, um, to, to, you know, it's not for everybody, but if you're interested in moving, like a lot of the people I know who have been board gamers for a long time, almost automatically eventually start trying to design their own games. Not all of them, but a lot of people who've been playing for a long time, at the very least, they start to house rule stuff where that's, you know, where you're tweaking something that's part of the game and you and your friends play it this way to make it more interesting to you, something like that. Or I, you know, we think this rule is not the right way. And so we do it slightly differently or something like that. But the, the the concept of house rules is kind of generally where you start with those things, but yeah, it that's can like go the gateway to get to designing. But yeah, to you can designing. Oh yeah, it can go crazy. Um, you know, people. A lot of times, what will happen is that, um, and it's kind of like um, like any kind of other hobby. Like if you decide you get interested in painting, you don't start off with a giant sixty foot mural. You know what I mean? Like you right. start out by doing some sketching, or you do start out painting little tiny paintings, or doing something like that to kind of get the hang of the materials and the ideas and the and the process. And it's the same with game design. Like you start off maybe and you you make a, a relatively simple card game, or you make a relatively simple uh, you know board game, or something like that. Um, that's or take again the, take the rules and put a new theme on it. Uh, like oh yeah, it's just, it, it, we're taking these rules, but you know now we're doing this. Uh, Combining what, a bunch of different games together. Like I like this part, and this part, and this part from these three different games. And I'm going to squish it yeah. all together. You know, you could do that as well. Um, yeah, we'll definitely then, have to talk about this in like in depth in another. Because there's, I mean, like there's so many good tools out there right now for doing that and. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, like when because I have done some game design a long time ago, uh, a friend of mine and I had a small little what we called a hobby press. It was not like, it was, you know, we had day jobs and stuff. And this was just a little thing we did on the side. Um, but we did actually print, you know, we got the stuff printed. We even got into distribution uh, back in the mid 90s for a little bit. Um, but like nowadays, if you want to make a game and produce it and have people worldwide be able to buy it, like literally you could do that in the same day because of PDFs and, and companies like drive through RPG and things like that. Like there was, you know, when I, when I first started there, you had to make an actual product and then sell it to people like at conventions or ship it to them or, or something. I mean, like right. it was all bits, there was no PDFs. And nowadays, you know, if depending on the game, obviously it doesn't work for everything, but a lot of games, like I buy PDFs a lot also just because then I can have a bunch of different games and the rules for them, like right yeah. there on my on my well, iPad. And as three D printing becomes more uh, commonplace, that's absolutely you know, that's going to become more and more a thing. Uh, 
yeah, it's. I mean, you're going to see people that are selling basically like a PDF of the rules and a package of STL files as the as the the, the place the, the pieces or the whatever the tokens that kind of jazz. Yep. Um, you know, uh, we uh, you're right. We will probably talk about this in a future episode. But uh, also, there's something known as protospiel, which mm. is a uh, uh, it's a it's basically it's a prototyping kind of like get together play mini convention. Um, and it's not something that's just like one place, like a Gen Con. It's like there are protospiels all over. I know that they're here in Wisconsin. There's a couple different ones that happen. Like there's one in Milwaukee. There's, I think, one in Madison. Um, There'll be protospiel nights at some friendly game stores. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's even bigger, like two day events that are, and it's people who are designers who bring their things together. And then they and other designers sit around and play. And then af- basically you play. And then afterwards, it's kind of like a question and answer. Like, all right, well, what'd you think about this? Well, right. I think that this part was a little clunky or this part was really cool. And I like that. You should look at this. And it's and just great have, feedback yeah. and stuff like that. And you don't that. have to be a designer. You can go just to play and help right. give feedback and you know, be a play tester. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's true learn, too. Yeah, and definitely. then you can kind of learn what they're doing, what they're, what the process they've gone to and see how yeah. they're doing it. So. And then, you know, kind of related, but you're not talking about so much about rule sets, but you're maybe talking about more of the physical stuff, you know, getting into um, custom pieces, you know, like there are people out there who love to make custom tokens, like maybe the tokens that came with this game are like, eh, they're okay, you know, right. they're like little like cardboard or something, but they want to make something that's maybe... Maybe they maybe they get a laser cutter and they want to do laser cut like acrylic, or maybe they want to do three D printed stuff, or maybe you want to make a little three D printed divider that perfectly fits inside the box to hold all the tokens that are in there because otherwise they're either in plastic bags or they're just sloshing around inside the box. There's a lot of people who love to customize their particular game, whether it is a board game. Um, you know, it's. There's not a lot of a customization necessarily. Yeah, I mean, you can buy like the the play mat you like. You can buy the sleeves you like for something like the um, life counters and stuff. Can get pretty creative nowadays. That's true too. Yeah, exactly. For like for collectible card games, people can get real fancy yeah. about that kind of stuff. The, the, the things they I carry their like, stuff in. I always like the rings and stuff that people have now. Like, or like I don't even have to. Oh, that they wear on their fingers. Like, you mean? Yeah, with like a, oh yeah yeah the dials yeah. Yeah, so you can keep track of like, because in the the standard in uh, Magic, I think, is you start off with 20 health or 30 health. Yeah, I don't no, remember. 20. It's 20 because yeah. it was always a, a D20 to start, but, you know, and then. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that kind of stuff, like, you know, customizing and tweaking those things, I think, is a really cool idea. But then, you know, if you're getting into more of the um, wargaming kind of hobby and you're interested in that, uh, obviously there's plenty of craft to be had there, you know, but if you're, if you're interested in wargaming, unless you got into something that's all pre-painted like uh, hero clicks or something like that, or, or even X-Wing, you know, uh, Star Wars X-Wing, you are most likely going to be building and painting miniatures, but right. just because you're building and painting miniatures doesn't mean that you're not kind of customizing and modifying. It's known as kit bashing. Um, and, and I did a video a while back about that as well on my YouTube channel about like taking, like the head from this model and then the arms from this model and the body and the legs from this model and putting them together to make them look like something different that no one's ever seen before. So there's right. a lot of people who like to get into that. You can also start to sculpt your own stuff. Like this guy should have a fur coat, you know, not, not a clo- like, a, like a cloak, like a fur cloak. Yep. And there are people out there who are talented enough or have taught themselves at least to be able to 
you know, sculpt a, a fur cloak out of uh, epoxy putty and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to really like enhance the the way that you do your models. Yeah, there's there's some great YouTube videos out there about like adding like LED lighting to stuff. Uh, you know, with how small you can get stuff. Like I've got uh, you know some of my prints are. You can, I've got I just picked up a. It just arrived this last week. A uh, hundred little light bulbs that look like lantern light, so mm-hmm. that I can embed under stuff like you know. So my forges look like they're lighting up and fireplaces yeah. and stuff like that. Um, For like the little dungeon tiles and stuff like that. that yeah, you're I just yeah, watched yeah. a cool video the other day that they were adding smoke to uh, their miniature. Nice. It, it was a bigger miniature, but they were yeah, yeah. doing it uh, with e six. With basically a, uh, it was like a, I think it would, they said it was like actually like a pump normally for like breast pumps and stuff like that. So that it actually could like wow. suck on the e sig, And mm-hmm. then, but you know, it was basically, and but it was all battery powered. So they just, you know, a couple, you know, a couple of uh, aquarium tubes later and they had, you know, smoke coming out of the smokestacks of their, uh, of their <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah. No, I mean, all that kind of stuff is really interesting. I had, uh, I, there was a guy at our local shop who, um, had taken he had this war band of I think seven skeletons for um for uh, Shadespire. War ha- yeah, for yeah. Warhammer Underworld Shadespire. Yeah. And he had drilled in through the back of their heads and put um fiber optic cable in to so it would stick out of their eyes basically and then he ran it down and he was very creative with the way he did it and then he put tiny little batteries in the base and then they he had these skeletons with like glowing eyes because they, yeah, they had actual yeah awesome. it was amazing yeah so like there's a lot of like if you really want to get into it like i would say that one of the one of the more sky's the limit sort of uh, of the you know uh, of the four different genres if you really want to step stuff up to the next level is i think for personally, I think that wargaming is the way to go if you really want to start getting crazy with stuff. Um, but, you know, you can obviously do a lot of kind of leveling up in any of the four genres, kind of like we've been mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing, too, is indie games, you know? Yeah, kind of getting out of that, like, I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but kind of the, you know, Well, the more mainstream, mainstream game. well-known games. Yeah, like, you know, everybody kind of knows about, like I mentioned before, everyone's heard of D&D, even people who don't play. Right. But, you know, if if that same time someone asked you, oh, hey, what did you do this weekend? And you're like, oh, well, me and a group of people, we played Lancer. You know, we played Lancer on Saturday night. They'd be like, right. I, don't, I don't know what that is, you know, and that's yeah. it's a it's a more of an indie kind of uh, RPG. And there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of indie games out there, not just for I mean, there's indie games in video games, too. It's just right. usually a bit of a bigger crew still. And you have to get involved with at least maybe some sort of publishing company. Like if you want to have an indie game on the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, that's not something you can just do by yourself. You need yeah. Apparently, to talk to the folks at Nintendo and stuff, I, you know. I mean, yeah. Apparently, I just found out this weekend there are like indie game devs that are still making Atari Twenty Six Hundred games. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, wow. there's like yeah. six six to ten new games a month or something is being released. On and they they've got a way to uh, do their own cartridges and everything. Like, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, you know, in, 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 in tabletop games, you've got indie board games by small companies. You've got indie RPGs is a huge yeah. one. I don't know that card there's a games. lot of indie, there's not a lot there's of indie card collectible card games, uh, I don't think. Yeah, well, probably not collectible, but they might this is, be yeah. trying out some of the uh, rules and stuff by, you know, with more of a, like a fixed set. Yeah, like a living card game is what they generally right. call that these days. But yeah, um, but yeah, there's definitely those, and, and you know, obviously, there's also indie um, 
uh, war games as well. And and they're you know obviously they are a little harder to find. That's part of being indie. There are um, you know we're going to probably eventually do a, a, also a podcast just about indie games um, and kind of talk a little bit about those. But you can definitely. If you do a search, you know, on Google, you'll find people like, you know, indie role-playing game, uh, indie board game, that kind of stuff. Yeah, There's a lot of different companies just, out there. that Just reading the rules, you can spend a week easily. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like, do you ever, like, what about, um, like, for, for game, for, for role-playing games, have you done any, besides, like, Lancer, I know you've been playing on yeah. and off, uh, and that one's, what honey, about other stuff what's like that? that? Like that Honey Bear one, where you're, you're, you're basically playing as bears. Um, oh yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's some real unique ones that are just like off the wall, and a lot of really them are one-offs, aren't they? Um, yeah, generally, I mean, or they're or they're just kind of like very specific rules where it doesn't lend itself to like now you're in this completely different thing. You know, and they're kind of you know. A and a, and a one-off different. game does not mean you can only play it once. It's just a one-off RPG means that you generally play it one night, and then if you play it again. It's a different everything. Yeah, you're not different usually leveling, leveling up and and improving characters and persistence. Yeah, it's almost like uh, a non live action version of like the uh, what are those those like mystery dinner kind of things. Oh yeah, yeah murder yeah. mystery murder mystery dinners. Like I remember right. being a kid, my parents would go to those once in a while, and you dress up and stuff, and everybody gets a role that they have to play, and then they kind of all. You know, do all that kind of stuff, but it's a yeah. it's something you only do once, and then or like lock, maybe if lock, uh, escape rooms. Escape rooms are kind of like that too, where yeah, you know, uh, in, in a more of a board game aspect, but yeah, yeah. sort of, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, like those kinds of things, looking into different types of the game that you enjoy, uh, you know, like one off, uh, you know, RPGs, uh, indie board games, indie RPGs, indie, you know, uh, miniature games all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of trying to l- go out and like look into those types of things because you'll find sometimes that, you know, maybe it, you just you just love the normal D&D, you love the normal Pathfinder, you love the normal uh, board games, you know, you, you love Settlers of Catan, whatever. And that's fine. But um, everybody's a little different. So sometimes you find a game, you like those games, but you also like, this kind of weird game that like not a lot of people have heard of because they don't have a big marketing budget and they don't have all that kind of stuff. And even if they did have a big marketing budget, it might not still be for everybody, but it does particularly scratch your itch, which you may have not even known you had, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of the things I love about tabletop gaming is that it's, um, it's not difficult to go out and try to expand and to look for ways to make uh, your experience better um, and 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 level up to some degree and make it so that you're more invested, I guess you know, uh, more monetarily rounded. to some degree, but yeah. more rounded as well. That's true, yeah. But more invested in time and really like you know, a little bit more focused sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you can be both well rounded and focused. Um, I guess I, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Like if you've got yeah. you can you can be better focused by knowing what other stuff out is out there that you don't or like and do like. Right. Kind of like uh, when you're a kid and your parents make you eat all kinds of foods that you wouldn't have probably otherwise. And then you find out that you really like Brussels sprouts or something like that, you know, right. or whatever. Yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I hope that that was helpful uh, for folks that are interested in 
kind of trying to move to the next phase within their their tabletop gaming and gave them some ideas. If you've got some ideas of ways to kind of level up as a gamer and to become a, a more um, well-rounded or more focused or maybe both uh, a kind of gamer, uh, let us know uh, in the comments on the YouTube if you're watching us there or uh, send us a, an email. Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you are listening via your favorite podcast player or you just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And lastly, to find out more about the Game 4 platform designed to connect tabletop gamers, please check out our website at www.imgame4.com. That is www.iamgamefor.com. Thanks. Thanks.